Good morning. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 15. And we're going to read from verse 16 through to verse 32. So it's Mark chapter 15. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is, the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spat on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and the other on his left. Those who passed by held insult at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he cannot save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. God will add his blessing to that reading of his word. Let's just pray together. Our Father, as we come to this very difficult passage, we just ask that you might, as it were, draw us closer to the cross, that we might understand more of the high price that you paid to secure our salvation. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, for this morning's uh, message, I've titled it Pain and Suffering Bringing Glory. I want us just uh, to read verse 15, and that will lead us into then verse 16. Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. This flogging was with a leather whip. I understand it had pieces of metal and bone woven into the strands to tear the flesh of the back of the victims. And this was to weaken them prior to crucifixion. After the scourging, Jesus was led away to the praetorium. We read that in verse 16. The soldiers led Jesus away into the place, that is, the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. This place, the praetorium, was more than likely in Herod's palace. And the praetorium guard was a special unit in the Roman army. 
I understand it was made up of selected soldiers who were to serve as personal bodyguards to Roman dignitaries. This was a specialist unit that had special privileges. And Mark tells us that the whole battalion were called together. This would not have been a small number of soldiers. This was to be a time of corporate mockery and entertainment. And we see in this the depravity of the hearts of men. There would have been those who would carry out this assault, but there would have been a great number watching, cheering, and sadly enjoying what was happening. In verse 17 to 18, we have something of what they were doing, and you'll probably notice that Mark's account of these things is quite short as are the accounts in the other Gospels, but Mark is just a little bit shorter again. But this is what he says. They put a purple robe on him and twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him, and they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! So Jesus was dressed as a king. He was given a crown, albeit a crown of thorns, and they saluted him and called out his name as as they would have hailed the emperor. But this was all done in mockery. Verse 19 to 20. Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spat on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on. Then they led him out to crucify him. This would have gone on for quite a period of time. and As I said, it's quite a short account. And this speaks of the physical suffering that Jesus went through. He would suffer even more than this. We can understand and relate a little bit to this type of suffering. And with that in mind, I was thinking of 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 1 and 4. This is what Peter said. Dear friends... This is now my second letter to you that I have written, both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has been and beginning in the beginning of creation, since the beginning of creation. So what Peter is telling us there that, yes, if we accept Jesus as our saviour, if we become Christians, then... It could be that we will go through times of suffering and we know that many of our brothers and sisters go through times of suffering that we can't even understand. But this suffering is all physical suffering. And this is nothing in comparison to the suffering that Jesus would be called to do.
But this is a reminder to us to stimulate wholesome thinking. Recall the words spoken by Jesus and understand that in the last days there will be scoffers. Let's go back to our passage in verse 21. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. The guilty prisoner would have to carry the crossbeam to the place of execution. Now Jesus was already weakened from the excessive way that he had been treated. Remember also that Jesus was not guilty. Also notice here that Simon was forced to carry the crossbeam. The language that Mark uses tells us that Simon was not given a choice. He was, as it were, snatched from the crowd and ordered to do this. A man in the crowd. I wonder if you've ever thought about this. A man in the crowd. Yet we know where he came from. Cyrene. That's present-day Libya. We know his name. And we know the name of his two sons, Alexander and Rufus. So from this information, did Mark later get to know these men? Well, there's a possibility that he did. We don't know for sure. But if we go to Romans chapter 16, verse 13, in Paul's letter to those in Rome, we read these words. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. We know that Mark wrote his gospel with Roman Christians in mind. We know that Mark had been a companion of Paul and we know that he was with Paul in Rome. So they had that association. They would have talked. They would have known the same people or certainly known of the same people. So could the man named Rufus be the son of Simon of Cyrene? We don't know. That stranger in the crowd was his life changed and turned around by his association with Jesus. Just a thought for us this morning. Let's go back to Mark's Gospel in 22 and 23. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. This is important. He did not take it. You see, I understand that the wine mixed with myrrh was a form of narcotic. And it was given to dull the pain. This was probably the only humane thing that was offered to those who were being nailed to a cross. Why did Jesus not accept this drink? I think the reason was that it was the Father's will for him to bear the penalty of sin without any human means of assistance that would dull the pain. Or for that matter, not even heavenly assistance. None of the angels came to his help because that was God's will. It was the cup that he alone would drink without any involvement from man or angel and not even from his heavenly father. He alone 
drank this cup. Verse 24. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. All these things had been prophesied. Psalm 22, verse 18. They divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Verse 25 to 26. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the change charge against him read, The King of the Jews. So, from 9 a.m., when he was hung on the cross, he was there for six hours. Let's go back to Psalm 22 and read what the psalmist says about those hours. Verse 16 and 17 of Psalm 22. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. That notice that bore the indictments against Jesus that hung on the cross and the notice that he probably carried around his neck as he walked from the platorium to Calvary. He is the king of the Jews. And Pilate was right whether he knew it or not when he refused the request of the Jewish leaders to change it to say he said that he was the king of the Jews. is the king of the Jews. He is king of kings. Let's go to verse 27 and 32. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by held insults on him, shaking their heads and saying, So you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he cannot save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. We know that Jesus was there to save them, not himself. And he was there to save you and I, not himself. He suffered at the hands of the religious authorities, at the hands of the civil authorities, and at the hands of the military authorities. The two who were crucified with him, thankfully, one repented and was saved. The passers-by and the general public he suffered at their words and their accusations. I titled this morning reading Pain and Suffering that Brought Glory. And we see here the one who brings glory, the one who is the King of Kings, the suffering servant. And what I'd like to do just as we come to a close this morning is to just read from Isaiah 53. 
And as I read this, I want us to just think of what we've looked at from Mark's Gospel. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crucified for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his word, his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. By oppressing the judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested. For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin. He will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by the knowledge my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. I think it's good for us to listen to God's word. Pain and suffering. That brings glory. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for those words that we've looked at together this morning. And we thank you that we've had the opportunity to let your word speak for itself as we've read through Isaiah 53. And our Father, we just ask that we might appreciate the high price that was paid to secure our salvation. And if there's any listening who have not taken that step of faith, we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit you will move their hearts and you can do that. You can do it by your word. 
the written word and the living word. And we ask these things in his name, in the name of Jesus. Amen.